Welcome to the AI Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Today on the podcast, we have the pleasure of having Brian Raymond with us. So Brian Raymond just raised $25 million for his new AI startup, which is Unstructured AI. He is the CEO and co-founder um, of this startup. And prior to founding this, Brian has experience in the AI industry. He worked with some of his co-founders at Primer AI, which is focused on building and deploying NLP solutions for businesses. His professional journey is not limited just to the private sector. He also served in the U.S. intelligence community. Uh, he worked in the White House during the Obama administration, and he had a run at the CIA. So leveraging his unique experiences, Brian is leading the charge in making AI technology more accessible and efficient by addressing critical data processes um, in this entire AI field. So Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. So, um, you know, it's super exciting. I'm imagining for you to be, uh, working on this company and super excited that, and congratulations on this new round of funding that you were able to recently raise. Can you give us a brief overview of Unstructured and kind of tell us a little bit about what led you to co-found this company? Yeah, absolutely. So at Unstructured, um, we're just trying to make it cheap, fast, and easy to take any files containing natural language data and to render them in a format that's ready for an embedding endpoint, a vector database, or a machine learning pipeline. And so uh, what that means in practice is, and we'll get, get into this later on, is taking things like PDFs and PowerPoints and XML and HTML and then normalizing that into JSON that you can clean and curate really easily and then um, and focus on the data science, not the data preprocessing. Uh, what what really drove us to to launch Unstructured um, was practical experience. So um, Primer, fantastic company, uh, really at the leading edge over the last several years in the natural language processing space. There we were fine tuning, you know, vert-based models, transformer models more broadly, orchestrating them into pipelines, uh, building apps on top of them, and and deploying against customer data. And we didn't need another data labeling uh, platform, a data model serving or model monitoring platform, um, really good solutions available for those. Um, it really, um, everything slowed down um, in terms of the time to value and the cost to value on taking customer data, um, the natural language data that was important to them, okay. and being able to uh, transform that into a machine readable format. Okay, very cool. So I imagine, right, you're working at uh, prior to this primary AI, and this is, like you said, a really kind of bleeding edge AI company. I imagine that was really exciting and awesome. What was that like, you know, um, thinking about taking that next step and starting your own company? What made you like decide you could or should make that step? Well, generally, I, this is an oversimplification, but you have companies that emerge um, from technology. You worked at some cool, developing some new, cool new um techniques or, 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 or methods at Uber or Meta or wherever. And now you want to take that and, um, and build a company around, around that. Uh, we we're kind of the opposite. Um, we were a problem in search of technology. And so when I was there at Primer, uh, we looked around, we talked to almost all of the, the data integration players, um, in the space, and none of them were really focused on this problem space. Um, we looked at, uh, some of the intelligent document processing, um, uh, providers that have fabulous solutions, but those weren't really tailored for this. And then um, talked to others and interested, how are all of you doing this? And everyone said, we're doing it the same way. We're doing it through completely manually and, and specific to every customer. We're just doing regexes and Python scripts and OCR. And it's slow and it's ugly and it ruins our, our margins on these contracts because we have huge professional services associated with it. And so I, 
at that point, I was like, this is this is an area that urgently needs um, technology, right? This problem. And so um, that was really the light bulb moment to say, hey, this is this is a big enough problem that we can go build a company around it. And that's super cool. So I know you have some co-founders with you on the company. When you made that, when you made that move, was this something where you guys were all sitting around one day talking about, you know, what kind of solutions should we have, or was this uh, one of your specific ideas and you kind of brought the the other players in? How did that conversation go, uh, kind of building the team there? Sure. Yeah. So, um, so I, I left Primer and been working on this um, for a, a few months and had been doing lots of user interviews and others, and started thinking about, okay, what sort of the founding team need to look like, and I needed someone was fabulous on infrastructure and architecture and another one who's fabulous on um on data science and i thought to myself okay who knows these problems better than anyone and uh, matt robinson who i think the world of came on to lead um, our data science um he worked at cia with me um he worked at capital one primer um, another company called rebellion defense um, had really deep and intimate knowledge of this problem from a data science side and then craig wolf who leads our infrastructure he, um, deep expertise uh, from Red Hat and then uh, five years of primer on uh, building enterprise solutions um, around natural language processing. And so, um, one, I just love working with them, but two, uh, world-class expertise for this this particular problem in particular. That's, yeah, that sounds amazing. And I know the, the team makes a, a huge difference. So given a lot of people say that data processing and kind of the prep time on that takes about 80% of data science time, how over and structured are you really focusing on optimizing that process? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, credit the, the Alex Ratner and the folks at Snorkel have um, focused a lot on data-centric AI. I think that um, kind of whiplash back around to model-centric AI over the last eight months, and now it's coming back around to refocusing on data-centric AI, and um, and 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 you know they're primarily focused on um, on annotated data and being able to have really high-quality training data for the models. Um, what we're focused on is is really to the left of that, and it's so it's um, suppose you want to utilize Llama two um, and put it on top of uh, your internal company data um, so that you can accelerate workflows. Um, how do you get that into Pinecone or Weaviate or or Chroma or these vector databases? The way that we're doing it is we're um, consolidating that down to a single API. So you can okay. have, say you have, have 100,000 files in an S3 bucket, you can just point it at our a API. Um, we detect what type of file it is, route it to the appropriate strategy, and render it into JSON and rejoin it with all of the other data. And so um, really collapsing a lot of the complexity around that and so um and and so get data scientists out of the business of data uh, deep data engineering and give that time back to them to focus on modeling okay very cool could you maybe give us some examples of the types of documents that you when you talk about this you know that unstructured i think their file transformation nlp model uh, model what it, what kind of documents is it really capable of handling or do you focus on yeah, no, great question. So right now we support uh, more than twenty-five different file types, and we as you, as we files come in, uh, we detect the file extension and then route it to the appropriate strategy. And so let me unpack that. Okay, for say a text file, um, really easy to get access to the um, to that natural language data, mm -hmm. and so the task there is extracting it from that text file 
but then we also clean and curate it. So we make sure that if they're, as we extracting it, uh, make sure there's no weird white spaces or Unicode characters or something on there. But then also in the curation side, we're annotating that um, each chunk of text with the, um, what we call a document element that um, is, is tied to. So if it's a title, we tag it as a title, we're able to automatically detect that using NLP models and more uh, body text lists, et cetera. Um, and the idea there is that you don't want to send everything into a vector database and you may not want to send everything into a model pipeline. You want to be thoughtful and data centric about what you put in front of that model. Um, and so for a text file, it's relatively simple. Um, we have blended approaches for other, other file types all the way up to, uh, models that we'll be talking more about the, in September that we've pre-trained that, um, treat every image, every file as an image. And then we have around 20 different categories of document elements, and we're able to extract the data with an extremely high level of precision without any, any particular training. So you don't need to like provide input on the document layout. Um, we retrain this model on millions and millions of documents and, and dozens of languages, and it just works. It's just sat amazing. Oh my God. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. We'll look forward to uh, hearing more about that in September when we make that announcement, I'm sure. Um, when you kind of talk about interacting with uh, other things, how does Unstructured interact with things like customer relationship management software and other data sources? Totally. So uh, we're doing two things there. So on call it the left side of, of what we're building, we're building upstream data connectors and we're inspired by Fivetran. These are maintained by us. Um, so we're continuously testing them, but we have our own abstraction for them. And so that they're resilient to interruptions that they're easy to parallelize and um, they're very sensitive to versioning and so you can grab net new data very easily and so we have that for like sharepoint and azure blob and google drive and notion and i think we have as of yesterday 18 and that'll this will grow to about 40 into the fall very cool and then on the right hand side uh, we have a bunch of what we're just calling staging utilities so if you want to chunk it according to a particular attention window size tokenize vectorize um uh map the JSON schema to a, to a specific vendor downstream, we have a lot of these utilities out of the box. And so you don't need to do any additional data munging before you go engage with uh, whoever's to the right of us. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Um, How do you integrate? So, you know, again, talking about integrations, how do you kind of handle the whole and how does Unstructured kind of handle integrations with people like Langchain and vector databases yeah. and, you know, MongoDB, Atlassian vector search, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, great, great question. Um, probably the best way to describe it is, is native. And so with Langchain and Llama Index on the orchestration side, with um, with MongoDB Atlas um, and with with um, Weaviate and others, um, extremely simple plugin to the right, um, right of us, and you can leave with data that's immediately ingestible. We were actually... Um, there and sponsored um, uh, Harrison and, and Langchain's um, kickoff party um, cool. back in February. We we're the first company um, to uh, to tie in with them. Oh, that's awesome! And um, Weaviate Mongo are both invested in us, and so there's an uh, a really special ecosystem of open source solutions that's emerged to help power um, this um, this new LLM stack. And um, we're doing everything we can to make it effortless. For our users um, to plug into that ecosystem and realize the value of those those solutions that sit downstream of us. Okay, very cool. That's awesome. 
So correct me if I'm wrong, but you transformed from offering an open source suite of data processing tools to launching a commercial API. Is that correct? Yeah. And the API is actually free right now. Um, and so, um, so in terms of like the way that, um, we're delivering value, we start off with the Python library mm -hmm. and we heard user feedback. That's a pain in the ass to install because we have a ton of dependencies to handle the long tail of all these different file types. And so we, we rushed and we got some containers out and we've, uh, continued to add a, new containers for different hardware types. And um, a lot of the folks that are building on top of LMs and front-end developers said, hey, we want something even easier. And so we were excited to announce last week the rollout of our actually free API um, right okay. now. And so you can go to our website and grab an API key and start hammering that if you want. What we'll be um, introducing over the coming weeks are kind of tiered APIs so you can have access to GPUs and, um, and dedicated instances. And so we can bring down the latency there. And then later on in the fall and in the winter we'll be um, talking more about our enterprise platform um, that will have everything that you'll need in order to move these lm solutions into production so we we imagine a world where you're continuously grabbing data say every minute or 15 seconds from slack and from google drive and from email etc and wanting to move that into a vector database and so it can accelerate and power um uh, workflows across the enterprise. And we want to be the backbone of that, uh, making that a reality. Okay, very cool. So given your your size, and, and I'm not 100% sure, how many, roughly how many users or companies are do you, do you have currently like interfacing with your product, your technology? That's a, that's a great question and a really hard one to answer given that we're open source. Uh, right. some, of, some of the things that we're looking at uh, in our Slack, we have like almost 600 people now and um, at least 100 companies represented there. We're about 2,800 GitHub repos use us. Okay. Uh, those, are op those are open source repos and uh, we're quickly closing in on around a million downloads from uh, in terms of pip installs. And so uh, moving very quickly um, kind of across the board there. That's very cool. So I guess given this, you know, a million installs and, and all these different people, different places, different corporations using you, how do you measure the success and impact of your product on businesses? Yeah, I think the um, what matters at the end of the day is that the individual data scientist, uh, you know, company X that's prototyping something cool with Langchain and with Leviate, um, that they're successful and that they're able to move that into production. That's what we care about. Um, and uh, it may be a different architecture that they're using, but um, we are laser focused on enterprise adoption of, mm -hmm. of LMs. And that's going to come by data scientists inside those organizations being successful. Look, um, historically, about 80 percent, um, 80 to 90 percent of machine learning initiatives within businesses fail. Right. And so it's like, how are we going to change the numbers on that? Um, one way is to change the economics and the time um, required to get the data that's important to you and the knowledge that's important to the organization um, in front of the model, right? And that's for us, like where we're really um, focused. But at the end of the day, it comes down to this, us as an ecosystem player of enabling technologies, helping these businesses realize the power, the productivity gains and the performance gains that LMs can can drive within their, their businesses. That's That's super cool. That's awesome. So um, of course, you you know you talked a little bit about having um, starting out as open source and and you have a commercial API. 
talk to the audience a little bit and I guess explain a little bit what your monetization mechanism and what that yeah. overall strategy looks like for you. Because, um, you know, there's different sides of it. There's the open source side and all of that. And so, yeah, I think a lot of people yep. are curious about that. So uh, so right now, the objective of open source is to remove any barriers to entry for folks that want to prototype. So we want a fabulous solution for file transformation um, that can, uh, that, you know, that 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 provides a, a good foundation for successful prototypes. Um, our, you know, vision here and hypothesis is that as these prototypes are successful, you're going to want to continuously grab that data and then push it into vector databases. And what you'll want there, fine-grained user permissioning, you'll want scheduling, you'll want a UI, you want a SOC 2 compliance, you'll want HIPAA compliance. Uh, you'll need a whole bunch of functionality. you want premium-supported connectors that, that we support over the long term, and we fix them if they break at 2 a.m. And, um, and we envision wrapping around that core file transformation technology all of that additional functionality so that um, this can be running in serial perpetually and, into this uh, a living architecture, an LM-enabled architecture that services HR and sales and R&D and every different aspect of an organization. And so that will be, that'll have a license component and usage-based component. Hopefully it's like very similar to most of the other data integration providers. Okay. But we'll have that that open source entry point um, that you could prototype around. Okay, very cool. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier when I was kind of giving your intro or whatever, you have had some experience working with the government, working with the CIA. I wonder, like, what influence, if any, do you feel like that your background there in the government um, would have into kind of your focus and what you're doing uh, today with your current company? So... Um... This really, I mean, it, it's this it, it's, it's really elemental to everything that we're doing. And so, when I came into the CIA, into the I spent most of my time in the director of analysis. Uh, it was during kind of the move to cloud and the move uh, and and big data. And uh, big data was the mantra um, at, at that time. Um, but you didn't have analytics to match the data. Palantir was doing some really cool stuff, um, mostly around structured data. Okay. Um, NLP at the time was still pretty sleepy. Um, so you had enormous volumes of data being collected and being produced, but you didn't have any real mechanism in order to exploit that. At Primer, we did some really interesting work on how to put analytic engines against it. But again, because the ecosystem was still so immature, um, it was difficult to expand that to lots of different use cases and different um, user personas within, within an enterprise. I think now with the advent of LLMs, it's changed like the fundamental economics and the time to value uh, where you don't need 30 different fine-tuned models um, on, uh, on the ML side. If we're right and we so help solve a lot of the problems on the pre-processing side, then um, you're going to be able to realize a lot more value of this big data that's been sitting around for years. Okay. Well, that's very cool. So um, I think this, this is something I've just noticed in tech uh, recently. There is kind of this move in the past away from, um, you know, tech companies like Google, for example, wanting to work with the Department of Defense or any kind of military thing. There was uh, a lot of employees at, at a lot of companies that were kind of had an aversion to to working with anything in defense or technology. And I feel like recently we've kind of seen this trend where the pendulum may be swinging back. There's a bunch of new, you know, interesting startups. There's Palantir, of course. There's um, Palmer Lucky that has his startup. Um, really focusing on defense and whatnot. And I, I feel like I kind of see a little bit more innovation coming into this. 
how do you guys view that and where do you guys um, stand? Because I know you have some partnerships with, I believe, the U.S. Special Operations Command and yeah. um, defense agencies and whatnot. So I guess what's your na- what's the nature of your partnerships there and how do you kind of view that? Yeah, I, I mean, I've looked at the, like the last 10 years as um, kind of the left coast figuring out how to work with the right coast. And um, and there is some growing pains there. And I think that that's maturing in a really productive way and an exciting way right now. You saw CIA on stage at AWS reInvent last year, which was bizarre, right? <laughs> Thinking about where we were a few years back. Um, sure. And and uh, a huge emphasis on responsible AI, on taking bias seriously and on taking automation really seriously from um, an ethical consideration, but also also a recognition that um, we in Silicon Valley um, have a responsibility um, as well. Um, and, um, and that there's a lot of good to be done through our technology as well. And so, um, it's been pretty incredible to see, um, Silicon Valley more broadly rally behind Ukraine. Um, mm-hmm. and then also broadly around Europe over, um, uh, over the last year and a half, I'll say this, uh, Silicon Valley's made it, um, I think it's, it's definitely could come back around, um, and that it's a lot easier, um, uh, I think there's a lot more space now for conversation around this on on how on how to do it. From uh, in terms of like the Pentagon and CIA and others, they've made it a lot easier to do business with them too, and have put a lot of structures in place um, that um, that have provided a lot more confidence right to the folks on the left coast. And so I really look at it in terms of um, of a maturing relationship that's moving in a really positive direction. Okay, very cool. Yeah, that's that's very cool. Um, in what ways would you say this, you just raised $25 million in funding. How would you say this, you know, round of funding is going to impact Unstructured's business and growth plans? And what do you plan on kind of doing with that? Yeah, absolutely. It's going towards productionizing the platform for enterprises. Um, there is, um, I think that, that, you know, as an, as an ecosystem of LLM enabling technologies, Unstructured and others have gotten some great tooling out there to prototype. However, if you're at a large financial services organization, at you know a Walmart, at uh, a General Motors, mm-hmm. these are really cool for demos. These are not production ready, and so myself and my peers are racing ahead as quickly as we can in order to mature the solutions that, that we're working on um, into into actually production grade platforms that they could deploy with confidence. There's technical challenges associated with this in terms of like, how does all this work? And, you know, how do you handle drift and in-context learning and rag-based approaches and all this where it's changing every week? But then there's things that just don't change on the cybersecurity side, on the compliance side, on, um, on you know, basic functionality here that needs to be established in order to, uh, to credibly go into these organizations and, and meet their, their needs. And so, you know, from where we sit, um, we more than doubled the size of our engineering team in the last six weeks. We'll okay. continue to make investments there in order to build as fast as we can um, to mm-hmm. support those folks that I mentioned earlier um, in this interview on those individual data scientists that are uh, doing really, really cool prototypes within their organization and are trying to find a pathway to production. Okay, very cool. So I know, you know, in the process of raising a round of funding, you obviously have to go some, through some pretty uh, rigorous um, documentation and, uh, you know, background checks and all that kind of stuff. 
Can you talk a little bit about um, maybe what were some of the, the concerns your investors had going into this and what ultimately helped you to uh, overcome those concerns for them? I talk, you know, speaking of unstructured in the business. Yeah, yeah totally. I think um, a few different things. One is uncertainty on what this emerging LM tech stack is going to look like. Um, mm -hmm. Everyone's asking questions on whether or not um, the service area that they're touching um, is sufficiently broad to capture enough value, but also not so broad that you never go deep enough to um, to actually generate a, a huge amount of value. Um, so that that's one, just because this is moving so quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, two, um, this is, you know, an old problem, but everyone um, that's in my shoes has to address it. Like, how do you turn the corner from open source to a commercial to a commercial product? Mm -hmm. um, and then, and and then three, I think, just um, from a technical standpoint, you got a great idea. Um, how are you actually going to build it? How are you actually going to deliver it? And what's the right. thing that's going to be re required? And I think that I got a lot of really great questions around that, and um, and. and Beyond that, um, you know, just just normal stuff. But it, it, this is a unique moment that we're in right now, where the world's changing so so quickly. And so to um, to earn the trust of investors um, to to make a bet on you, you got to have a really tight plan and a lot of uh, conviction in terms of um, those different pillars that I talked about. Okay, very cool. How would you say your relationship with uh, your board members? I know you have Michael Grone and and Mike Brown on there. How's that kind of shaped the trajectory of Unstructured or kind of impacted that? Yeah, absolutely. So we have some fantastic advisory board members. Uh, so uh, uh, General Grone and then Mike Brown are are fantastic uh, are fantastic um, individuals to have in our corner to help navigate um, the Department of Defense and the public sector more broadly. And to advise on on where we're making AI investments, uh, Karan Mahandru, who is our board member, um, and he led the investment in our our A round from Madrona, and then Enrique Salim from uh, Bain Capital Ventures, who is a second board member, and he led our seed and also invested in our A. Um, world class individuals um, know how to build great companies. Um, fantastic um, VCs, but I think most importantly are our builder advocates. Um, mm -hmm. and I think our deep, are deeply a lot where we have deep alignment on strategy. Um, and then also, um, just the way that they, um, tend to engage, um, is so practical and, and so helpful that, um, we're able to, you know, like I have both of them in Slack, for example, okay. so I, we're constantly bouncing stuff off each other. And so, uh, really intimate in a positive way. That's awesome. That's amazing. So talk to me about when you first kind of got this thing uh, started, you first started working on this. What what did that look like at the very beginning, the early stages for you as far as kind of funding it and getting this thing off the ground? Was this something that you began self-funding? Were you immediately looking yeah. for angels or, you know, seed round, pre-seed round? What did that process look like for you? Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a, let's call it a non-linear process. Uh, <laughs> so, um, the first thing I started to do was um, actually doing user interviews. Uh, okay. but, uh, I I actually called um, and and reached out and talked to. Um, I still have the spreadsheet. More than seventy data scientists and talked to them about how they were grappling with this. And I had dozens of pages of notes um, in terms of validating the problem and and talking about how like what type of solution that they'd want. And so really kind of put my product hat on for that. 
um, I did submit to um, for Y Combinator and was admitted to that. But at that point, I had um, a decent amount of institutional capital lined up for a pre-seed. And um, you know, as we were about, as I was about, about to button up the the pre-seed, had an opportunity to do a larger seed round um, with Enrique and the team there at Bain. And so pulled back on the on the pre-seed and decided to raise a, a larger amount uh, from the get-go so that we'd have um, more runway in order to actually figure out how the market wanted to consume this and then also grow the engineering team more rapidly. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And and what was your what was your process? What did that look like as far as reaching out and meeting these people at Bain and, and oh, institutional yeah. investors? Was that um, was that like previous connections? You're going for to like cold emails. What did that kind of look like for you? It was too funny. I was previous connections and cold emails. I got a uh, the actually Enrique got a hold of me. I was at a movie with my wife and I got a text message. Hey, this is Enrique from Bain. Can we chat? And um, <laughs> And I go out of the movie, call him, and he's like, hey, let's make something happen. And um, honestly, um, you know, this is um, this is probably the single most helpful thing that uh, if someone's in, you know, considering launching something, um, don't just change on your LinkedIn to working on something new and still startup. And then everyone that's scraping LinkedIn will automatically reach out to you. <laughs> I should have done that earlier instead of hustling so hard with the with the pitch deck um, around the contacts and contacts and contacts. But uh, but lesson learned, um, at least. <laughs> that's funny. So that's what happened. You you changed it there, and that's how we contacted you. Um, it was everybody else. Uh, it okay. was too funny. Like about a week before we closed, I changed it, and then uh, within 24 hours, I started getting a flood of inbounds. And I was like, they must be scraping LinkedIn because now they can <laughs> see Delstar. <laughs> Never went about that beforehand. Yeah, that's so funny. That's awesome. So. Um, what future developments or I guess expansions can users expect and, you know, potential investors and other people look forward to from unstructured going into the future? Yeah, I would say, um, right now we're focused on building the equivalent of a Toyota Corolla. Uh, okay. You just want it to be cheap to operate. You can't break it. it. It's a good daily commuter and, um, and it meets all of your needs. Um, from that, from there, however, um, they can expect multimodal, so we're going to be able to be able to ingest um, audio and video. Okay. Um, you're going to see huge, huge speed gains, algorithmic speed gains, um, as we continue to invest in um, in the underlying architectures of the models and pre-training our own models from scratch. Um, and then also um, much broader upstream and downstream integrations. And so, at the end of the day, um, it's going to be easier, it's going to be faster, and it's going to be more performant. Very cool. Very exciting. So if um, it's been, first off, it's been amazing having you on the show today. Amazing picking your brain and learning all of uh, your insights about what's going on in the industry. Um, if companies are interested in using Unstructured, where's the best place for them to find out more about it, yeah. to get you know access it, to kind of start learning if that's a good fit for their company? Absolutely. Um, three options. Um, so one, you can go to GitHub, um, get everything off of GitHub. Two, off our website, you can go get your API key. It'll be automatically generated and sent to you. Or three, um, just feel free to email me, bride at unstructured.io. I promise I'll respond. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Brian. Um, it's been amazing to, to talk to you. For the listeners, thank you so much for listening to the AI Chat Podcast. Make sure to rate us wherever you get your podcasts, and we will see you next time.